Willis, your host. We are going to have a great show for you today, folks. How are you guys doing? Let me get my headset on because, you know, for some reason I thought I had it on and I didn't have my headset on. How's everybody doing today? We have a great show for you today. You guys know what's happening in Houston, right? It is about HISD. It's about the TEA takeover of the Houston Independent School District. But that's not the only thing we're going to talk about today. We're also going to talk about the derailments are still occurring, yet the lobbyists are out there in Washington trying to say, we don't want to be regulated. And of course, Robert Reich, you know, the the uh, the former Clinton labor secretary of labor, yep. secretary of labor, former, uh, you know, when he, you know, he's a, I've interviewed him two or three times. Okay. Hmm. Once with move to a man, once with uh, politics done right. And once with, what was that other pro group I was with? Uh, once with, uh, I can't remember the other group that I was with. And anyhow, um, this guy is a true uh, let me let me let me tell you, um, uh, uh, Andrew, a true, true, true capitalist, right? But but an article he wrote yesterday, he has a par- few paragraphs that I'm going to go over and read about because you know, uh, uh, well, I'm going to talk about that first, and then we're going to go into the uh, Yolanda Jolanda Jones interview. Jolanda is a state representative of District 147 here in Houston. Used to be on the Houston School Board. Used to be a city council woman, and uh, she is going to talk about the TEA takeover of HISD. But before we go with Jolanda, I want to uh, first of all let's go ahead and bring bring it in the right way. Title of the show, Representative Jolanda Jones on TEA HISD Takeover, Derailment Persist as Lobbyists Work, Capitalism Confidence. And the subtitle is Robert Reichs on Losing Global Capitalism's Confidence Game. Representative Jolanda Jones explains the TEA HISD takeover and solutions, even as more derailments occur lobbyists stymie regulations welcome aboard to politics done right in the chat alistair water she says hi brother and all meaning to everybody around and folks you can be a part of the discussion by calling 713-526-5738 again that number is 713-526-5738 i'm going to take these a little bit out of order because i'm going to do the robert well, I'll do the, i tell you what, I'm not going to take it out of order. Representative Jolanda Jones visits Politics Done Right to discuss the recent TEA takeover of HISD. But Jones is not giving up. She said that they found an exception in the law that they could work with to prevent the takeover. So uh, here's what I wanted, want you guys to listen to. She, we, we spoke, uh, you know, she's in Austin right now, so we couldn't bring her into the studio. So what we went ahead and did is we did a, a Zoom interview. And I want you to listen to this Zoom interview, and then we can talk about it 
after uh, after the interview. Remember, you can call 713-526-5738 and hit extension 2 to get on air. That's 713-526-5738. So, Andrew, if you don't mind, going ahead and set that up now and then we'll move on. Thanks. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. Today we have with us State Representative... Okay. I'm sorry about that. We have a uh, a, a weird uh, feedback, I guess. Right. Um, we. Uh, what we? Say, yeah, I'll I'll try and get somebody to uh, to to see about. Uh, that's fine. I can I can go to the to the next subject. Yeah, that's. And then we'll good. go ahead. That that's fine, folks. As you know, this is community radio. Every now and then we get some engineering issues that uh, with all with all the new systems that we have here, but that's not a problem. We know you're going to uh, stick around for Jolanda's interview. So let's go ahead and do the uh, derailment persists as lobbyists work. That's what we're going to, that's the subject we're going to come before we go back to Jolanda. And here it goes. Some corporations have no shame. It is always about the mighty profit over anything, including human life. Even as derailments continue with a large frequency, rail company lobbyists are bribing Congress to stop toughen, to toughening up regulations. Okay, we hear that. Common Dreams reported the following. With each derailment since early February, calls for substantive action in Congress to rein in the powerful industry have grown louder. Under pressure from rail workers and others, a bipartisan group of lawmakers introduced legislation earlier this month that would impose stronger regulations on trains carrying hazardous materials and effort the rail industry lobbying has defeated in the past. While rail unions welcome some provisions of the bill as decent starting points, they warn the measure has major loopholes and exceptions that rail giants wouldn't hesitate to exploit. If the language is not precise, if the language is not precise, the class one railroads will avoid the scope of the law without violating the law yet again putting the safety of our members and American communities into harm's way, said Eddie Hall, national president of the Brotherhood of Locomotive Engineers and Trainmen. You can run a freight train through the loopholes. Predictably, the rail industry is working to further water down the legislation or kill it entirely, pumping donations to Republican allies and running ads in major media outlets, touting its supposedly ironclad commitment to safety. Where was that commitment in East Palestine, uh, Ohio? Where was that commitment for the last two derailments that occurred yesterday? Sludges David uh, Moore reported earlier this week that the PAC for Union Pacific, one of the largest class one railroads in the U.S., made $15,000 in contributions last month, all to Republicans in the House and Senate, given less than two weeks after the Ohio derailment. These guys work for cheap, huh? $15,000 spread among several Congress people just not to pay to get safety. Wow. Several House Republicans and committees that oversee transportations have sought to delay the bipartisan legislation to boost rail safety rules. More noted, saying more information is needed after a potentially lengthy study. 
Representative Troy Nels, Republican of Texas, right from our area. I repeat, Republican Troy Nels. You know, there's a lot of trains going down Maine. There's a lot of trains going through Kingwood. There's a lot of trains going through Humble. Representative Troy Nels, Chair of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee on Railroads, Pipelines, and Hazardous Materials, parroted industry talking points earlier this month when making the case against regulatory action saving U.S. railroads have a very high success rate of moving hazardous material to the point of 99%. Days before Nell's comment, the Association of American Railroads, AAR, declared in an ad appearing in a political newsletter that while 99.9% of all hazmat ships meant that move by rail reach their destination safely, we know a single incident can have significant impacts. That is like saying the airline industry has a 99% success rate of flying. I would never fly an airplane if the success rate of flying airplanes was 99% because that means for every 100 flights, one crashes. And think about there are several thousand flights that leave the airports every day. Would you be satisfied with about 20, 30 crashes per day? Would you? So when, when they use talking points like 99.9% of hazardous trains do fine with the thousands of trains that are traveling, would that be really a good rate for you? Would you really tolerate that? Talking points, psychology, this is what these guys do. They fool you into complacency because they assume you don't know math. They assume you're not going to do any deeper thinking. That's why they don't support critical thinking, critical thought. That is why, because if you know what, welcome aboard Mr. Doe as well as Bruce Pollard to the chat and to listening on YouTube. Let me tell you, folks. That is the reason they don't want critical thinking, because critical thinking means nobody's going to tell you, look, the, 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 the airline industry is great. It has a 99% uh, effect, effective crash full, crashless times. You would never fly a plane if 99% of the flights were successful, because the amount of flights that are flying, 1% or even 0.1% are a lot of crashes every day. Don't be fooled by the rhetoric. And to Troy Nels, Republican of Texas from our area, from this area. I think he's in from uh, Fort, the Fort Bend area, if I recall correctly. Uh, remember, guys, remember all the trains that travel around there? The next time something blows up and goes into your communities in Sugarland, goes into your communities in Kingwood, goes into your communities elsewhere, remember the representative who says... Don't regulate the trains anymore because over 99% of them don't spill hazardous materials. Your vote matters. Your vote matters. Don't wait till you are harmed. Don't wait till you live in Cancer Alley. Don't wait for all these things before you take your own safety into consideration. Do not be fooled by the rhetoric. I can, I can speak some pretty words 
that can make something very ugly looks adorable, beautiful, and admirable. That is what talking points do. Don't fall for it. What will it take to make corporations more responsible? We must talk about that. 713-526-5738. Again, that number is 713-526-5738. Feel free to give us a call on this subject now. If I don't get a call in the next two minutes, I'm going to move on to the Jolanda Jones TEA uh, TEA sub, uh, subject so that we can talk about the school district and how it's being taken over by the TEA. 713-526-5738, extension 2. You want to say something? Give us a call. You got a minute before I go to the other subject. 713-526-5738. Again, Troy Nels, remember, he, again, I, I want to repeat that line again. This is what it says. Troy Nels, Chair of the Houston Transportation and Infrastructure Subcommittee on Railroads, Pipeline, and Hazardous Materials, parroted industry talking points earlier this month when making the case against regulatory action, saying, U.S. railroads, U.S. railroads have a very high success rate of moving hazardous material to the point of 99% plus. That is what your congressman has said. You have to ask your congressman if he's willing to have several derailments per day. If that's and several release of toxicity into your communities. It's very important, folks. We can't allow them to snow our citizens. We can't continue to allow that. So first chance that we get, before I go to the next subject, we're going to bring Ray on into the fold. Welcome to Politics Done Right. Ray, how are you doing, my brother? Happy Friday, Alberto. I'm good. Just listening to you uh, opine on the current subject matter of the railing. And uh, it made me think about all the train tracks I drive past every single day when I'm out in the streets of Houston. And, you know, I couldn't help but, you know, you know, fathom what would be the disastrous, you know, result if any of those trains that pass by in the Houston area were to derail. And it's kind of like that movie, uh, Runaway Train, I think. Yes, yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You're absolutely... Go ahead, sir. Yeah, Yeah, they basically were trying to do everything but the right thing to try to stop the train right you know it, it is amazing because um you know we we don't take these things seriously right i mean a lot of t- look the, the country is most our country the united states is mostly unpopulated what i mean by mostly unpopulated i mean concentration of people are in like houston el paso dallas los angeles new orleans new york and so forth but when you go into the midwest when you like where east palestine is or when you go into all these places i mean those are where most of the length of tracks are so when derailments and that kind of stuff happens yeah a lot of times it's in these places that nobody talks about and even in east palestine ray 
they disregarded these people for a long time until the independent media, not the mainstream media. The mainstream media ignored it. But bloggers and bloggers and bloggers and bloggers were walking the rails. Bloggers were out there looking at the places where contamination occurred. I, I got mails from several of our activists right here at KPFT that said, Egberto, you need to talk about this. Uh, I could call names of our our folks here at, at uh, KPFT that said, hey, did you hear what? This is what I found on the internet. This is what I saw is happening. And not until two or three weeks after the derailment did people really take it seriously how serious that contamination was, brother. Only then. Yeah, well, I mean, the corporations know that it's a risk. But right. somehow, I mean, I'm a, I'm, poor, I'm a poor working class person. I understand trying to save a penny here and there. But these corporations have millions and billions of dollars that they're raking in for being contracted to do the country's work. And here they are dropping the ball when it's supposed to be, you know, an urgency to make sure that these trains are running safely enough. So... We don't have these type of issues, but it's just not important enough. Like you say, they always put profits over people. And then when the people get, you know, when the people come back at them, there was a lot of Trump supporters in Palestine. Yeah. But guess what? He's the one. They don't care. Right. Well, they don't care. Let me tell you why they don't care. Right. And Maria, I want to be a little bit more compassionate with my East Palestine brothers and sisters. We don't talk to them. We don't engage them. We just use them as throwaways. And then they, they are so far indoctrinated now. Us making an approach to them now comes with suspicion. So what I say often, right, is because I, I, there, there is some truth to what Fox News says about what we do on basically the East and West Coasts. There's, there, I mean, it's hard for many of us progressives to accept that as part, uh, part responsibility because we know our policies are right. We know the things that we want for Americans are right and the things that they ask for. But these guys, we have allowed the, the, the right-wing machine, the, the Powell Manifesto and all of that, to convince these people to look at us as folks with horns. And after they've been programmed like that for four decades or more, if I go into East Palestine and say, Trump did this to you, uh, and Trump goes in there and said, look how the Biden administration took three weeks before he sent somebody out there, even though the reason the train crashed was because of the deregulation under him. The reason the bank crashed was because of the deregulation under him. All the, And with a few neoliberal Democrats as well, let's not give them a pass. Um, you know, it, takes, it, it, it will take some nurturing on our side to go ahead and make a difference to these people who have been allowed to, to just sway away for so long. That's my humble opinion, at least. Yeah, well, you just keep on, you know, putting on blast the facts. And like you said, Fox News might be right about a couple of things, but my, my rebuttal to that is a broken clock is right twice a day. You're absolutely right. And you know what? They, they, they are happy to point out the one or two flaws that we had with those people. 
because it's it's one that helps them. So look, I don't, I don't, I, don't, I honestly don't think there is a here a difference between what what you just said and what I said. So I, I mean, because you know, I mean, the, the clock being twice, 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 a day, right, twice a day. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but thank you very it's much. Right twice a day. Yes, sir. You're right, sir. Thank you so kindly for calling into Politics Done Right. All right. Yes, sir. Happy weekend to you. Happy weekend, brother. Take care. All right, let's go to Kyle. Come on in, Kyle. Uh, Let's see, Kyle. Kyle. There you go. Kyle, talk to me. Hello, Mr. Eberto. You know what? Even though you mispronounce my name by saying Eberto, I still love you, but it's Egberto, hermano mío. Thank you. Yes, sir. That is hard to pronounce. Talk to me. I I want to become president of the United States of America. If you want to become president of the United States of America and you were born in the United States and you are over 34 years old, sir. I heard, you, I heard about it, yeah. You can but be I president. I would like to talk about it. Well, talk to me real quick. All right. Like, I, I, I am planning to go on 2024. And turn your radio down, brother. Turn your radio down. Turn your radio down. Turn your radio down. Yes, sir. I would like to get all the information and all the help that can help me become president. People are relying on me. Okay, well, I tell you what to do. You send me a, you drop me a line at info at politicsdoneright.com and we'll talk. All right, brother? Yes, sir. Info at politicsdoneright.com. Yes, sir. And then we'll talk. I'll absolutely respond to you, okay? Yes, sir. Thank you. You have a wonderful day, my brother. Yes, sir. All right. Well, well, folks, thank you very much for, uh, thank you very much for listening And, you know, who knows? We may have President Kyle coming up at some point in time. But anyhow, let's go ahead and listen to the interview that I did with uh, Jolanda Jones, uh, Representative Jolanda Jones. It's some important information in there. And then we'll come right back. Let's go for it. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Igberto Willis, your host. Today we have with us State Representative Jolanda Jones who represents Texas District 147 in Houston. She's a former member of the Houston Independent School District, a district that the Texas Education Agency is attempting to take over. Well, she doesn't want it. Houstonians don't want it. Representative, how are you doing today? I'm I'm well. I'm ready to fight. I am fighting, so I'm not ready. I'm fighting. So see if we can try to stop this TA takeover. Now, this seems to go completely against what often Republicans talk about, local control, the people in charge of their own destiny. What went wrong? So I believe it's a grab by Republicans, uh, which has been facilitated, facilitated by a law that Rep. Dutton uh, filed back in uh, the 84th legislative session which for the most part said, if an HSD school has been unacceptable for five consecutive years, that TA shall, which is mandatory, take over, uh, shall take over and either close that school or appoint a board of managers for the entire district is what they're proceeding on. You know, that... How did a law like that pass? Because if you listen to the wording of that law, it makes no sense, right? One school in a district of many schools, and if that one school fails, it's either closed, which they know nobody's going to want to close the school, 
or else we take over the entire district of all the schools? How can a law like that pass? So I was not in the legislature then, but I I think, I mean, I don't know, right? Because I wasn't here, but I would imagine after having been here now, laws are long, they're complicated. People know their laws. They don't always know the nuances of other people's laws. And you maybe could have missed it. So for example, I mean, I'm looking at the bill, I believe, saved Wheatley and saved the district SB number 1365, and it is 44 pages long, right? And yeah, and, and, and for a point of reference, I think I filed 60 bills, right? Right, and I'm trying to learn all my bills, like in all the nuances, right? right? Because legislative council drafts the bills for us for the most part, and they add stuff. So I can go to ledge council and say, hey, I want a bill that does this. They'll go put it in legal language, and then I'm reading it as a lawyer, like, hey, I didn't ask for this. I'm like, oh, you got to put this. So it's just hard to figure out every nuance. And so that could happen. People, I mean, I don't know. I was not here. Uh, but I am certain that had I been here and I saw where an entire district could be taken over for one school in a district where we have over well, close to 200,000 kids and almost 280 schools. There's no way I would have ever let that happen. Apart from the fact, if you look at where HISD is now compared to other urban districts and all the large ones, which we're the largest school district in Texas and we are the seventh largest school district in the United States. And the six school districts that are larger than HISD in the United States are made up of counties, not a city like HISD. And so it doesn't make any sense to me, but even compared to the school districts in Texas, we have the best overall rating of Dallas ISD, Austin ISD, San Antonio ISD, better than all the big districts, but you're taking us over. I think that if you knock down the King Kong on the block, all other blocks will fall. And I believe that is a part of it. And I also believe if they can take over HISD, the other districts are next. So, um, and I believe that the TA is just wrong on the law. Now, I, I want to get first into the politics and then into what realistically are the solutions. Now, okay. we know that uh, conservatives have long believed in, and we also had a few progressives here, in, well, supposed progressives here in Houston. We need, air, we need to air quote progressives. Right, quote progressives who also were pushing the voucherization, the privatization of our education system. Uh, let's let's do this. Who's the author of that bill? I think it was author, somebody. Uh, author of that bill. What 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 bill? The bill that actually had the shall if one school doesn't. Harold uh, doesn't carry it. Right, exactly. Uh, okay. Now, so, what, so he was a primary carrier of it. Wheatley is a school that he graduated from. Um, and so he had his reasons. No reason is acceptable for turning your school over to uh, to an external agency. Now, what else? I agree. I agree with you. I'm just telling you what what I've heard Rep. Dutton say. Right now, what do you believe then is the issue here? Do you think the idea is that we're uh, 
there was some sort of a deal to get some privatization in Wheatley and others? I, I, I believe that the people that support vouchers and the people that support charters are just giving out a lot of money to people to be supportive. It's my understanding, and I, I don't know this um, for a fact, but but I've been told by colleagues that they've been able to change some people's mind. The voucher people have been able to change some Democrats' minds who are absolutely against vouchers. And so it's my understanding that we used to have out of a 150-member body, we used to have over 100 members who were like anti-voucher. And now it's less than 100. Although it's more than the 76 uh, that are required. So, so they say we still may be able to kill vouchers, but it's just going to be closer than it used to be in the past. I, I really can't see how rural rural uh, uh, Congress people and senators or representatives will somehow support vouchers, so, given that so they don't have access to what the cities have. So what I've heard is that um, the authors of the voucher bills are going to allow the rural people to opt out if they don't want to have vouchers. But if they want vouchers, they can opt in. But the larger so school districts don't get the option to opt out. No, that's yeah, that's my understanding. Wow. So it's called. It's, so what I've learned is there are these bills called bracket bills where you want them to to just. It's not for like everybody in the state. It's just for a certain like so Houston and Dallas because they're so big. They have bills that are just for Houston or just for Dallas, and they generally bracket it based on population. It seems to me like that could fail under constitutional terms. You're a lawyer. Um, that could fail, fail under unequal, uh, unequal treatment of different groups of people, especially given uh, the separation between st- uh, cities and, let's say, rural areas, right? So, I, so, no, they've been doing that forever. I don't think so. I, I think that there are differences between urban areas and rural areas and what works in an urban area might not work in a rural area. So I don't think it fails on those grounds. I mean, they've been doing bracketed bills. For, there are a whole bunch of bills that are just for Harris County just for the city of Houston, just for certain areas. You can also do local stuff, right? That's just for like where you live. And if that were the case, then because different places have different needs and interests. So I don't think it's, I don't think that fails constitutionally. No, but it, I do, it, go ahead. But I do, but I do believe that they've given rural, rural, rural communities a way to opt out if they don't want it. So now they're not opposed to it before. Interestingly, that is another that is an interesting way for since the rural parts of Texas are usually Republican and the dominant parts in uh, the the city, the parts in urban areas are normally Democratic. It seems like uh, this is an easy way to uh, to make the Democratic cities moot. Right. In other words, what they want, if you can bracket just about anything, then none of their will gets done. Right. And then I and then I've heard that they. I mean, so let, let's be clear. This TEA takeover was like the worst kept secret in the history of the universe, yes, yes, right? right? Right. They kept saying, oh, we're not going to do this. I think that Sylvester jumping the gun and disclosing it merely made them hold off for almost two weeks, right? But they were going to do what they what they did. And I believe just based on the presentation that Mike Morath, the TEA commissioner, gave on yesterday, what they used that time to do was to show all these other reasons why HISD should be taken over. And I don't trust the quality of their 
data on their slides they've given out to everybody in this little media tour that Marath is doing. And I also believe that they're distracting because the 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 the, the mechanism by which Marath and TA are taking over HISD is based on House Bill 1842. That is what they've said. There's only two things. I mean, HB 1842 says whatever, but, and and he had this deep analysis of HB 1842 and what it means. And then he puts in there Senate Bill 1365, which was actually done by Betancourt, Senator Betancourt. That's the one, yeah. Which, which I believe I wasn't there during it. It's actually the Wheatley bill, right? The part that gives Wheatley one chance and one chance only to come up to at least a seat, right? And it was interesting because on 1842, Marath had a slide that showed 1842 and before 1840, before 1842 was, was filed and, and passed in 2015, and and what happened after 1842 and what it did. And that's where the shall, the mandatory language comes in. What he glossed over, and I think he did that on purpose, was Senate Bill 1365, which the part of uh, 1365, let me just pull it up. 1365 is a 40-some-odd page. Bill that you were telling me about before. But if if, if you go to, if you pull 1365, which I'm happy to text you, Yes. So that you show people, if you go to page 22 of, of Senate Bill 1365, line seven starts at, it's C, it says, notwithstanding any other law, which means even notwithstanding 1842, because any other 1842 is a law. Right. right. The commissioner shall, so there's still the shall, take action described in section 39A.111. Sections one or two, right? So this commissioner shall do something under these sections, which, but these, this is what has to happen before he shall do anything. He's got to have one, the school is not assigned. This is the weekly bill. The school is not assigned an overall performance rating of C or higher for 21-21 school year. So that's the A and it says and. If you remember, and means you need both. It doesn't mean or, it means and, right. Yes, and means you need both, right? So these are conditions precedent to the shell. So you've got to not get a a C, and you have to have been assigned an unacceptable performance rating for five or more years prior to 21-22. So they meet that, right? right? They meet that, but they do not meet the not assigned an overall performance rating of a C or higher in 2122, right? So they only have one. So this section does not apply, right? Because Wheatley had a 79, which is actually right. a C plus. Right. And the whole and, and it's my understanding that it was done, but they didn't think Wheatley was going to come out. They thought it was right. going to fail. Right. So I to me it was like the optics looked bad. It was right after and during COVID. You want to seem like you're not heartless, right? So Morath didn't have the language of this bill on his little PowerPoint. So and let I'll, me ask you, then, why did it fail in the in the Texas Supreme Court, and why is HISD the dates decide not to fight it any further? Different issues, different issues. The lawsuit that was filed in 2019 
that the board filed merely said the TA did not have the authority to do what it was doing. It was not following the law. That was the issue. So while the courts duped it out on about whether TA had the authority to do what it was doing, namely taking over the district by either appointing a board of managers or closing Wheatley, the Supreme Court came back and said, yeah, they could do it. The Supreme Court did not rule on the merits about whether the mandatory section of 1842 was if it had been met. Gotcha. So they left that they left that blank. So for anyone who's like, well, why did they dismiss the lawsuit? Why did they dismiss the lawsuit? That issue was moot. I will concede that TEA does, under the laws that existed at the, in 2019, do have the right to take over HISD, but it's discretionary, not mandatory. They had two other bases. So there were three bases, if you'll remember. They had that we'd had a conservator for two or more years consecutively, mm-hmm. right? Right. Her name was yes. Miss Delaney. Right. right. So, so, th- so she was there for more than two years consecutively, and a board malfeasance. Remember that TEA report that came out and said, for the most part, and I'll summarize it because it was uh, hundreds of pages. The only HISD board member who didn't do anything illegal was me. Right. Okay. Right. <laughs> so, so. So they could take over under the rules if the board is out of control, which the board was having a walking quorum with Deanna Davila. And I, I want to call names because people need to know why we're in this. Um, Deanna Davila, remember they, she illegally fired uh, Dr. Granita Layton, Sergio right. Lira, yeah. both of whom were unelected. Holly Maria Villaseca, she was unelected. Elizabeth Santos, she was reelected by 42 votes. And and some who was unelected. So four of the walking quorum, the 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 constituents of HSD got rid of them. And and I'm proud to say I campaigned against them. Elizabeth Santos is still on the board, but she, like I say, she won by 42 votes. I can tell you so the the walking quorum bad actors are all gone but one, right? Holly's now running for city council. I ain't voting for. And um, Ann Sung landed with Leslie Briones. Um, who else? Deanna Davila is now a consultant all over the country on equity and getting Hispanics elected places. And Sergio Lira is over LULAC. Another st- subject for another day. But something else that we got in trouble for was the board not doing what they were supposed to do, which was basically to pass policy and the superintendent was supposed to like run the district. So for example, I will tell you that Superintendent Layton, who's a doctor uh, in education, actually had put in her budget monies to go to all these schools that are, are habitually or that were habitually struggling. She directed money, but if you will recall, those same people who were having, and, and, and Sue Dygard is still on the board, and she voted down the superintendent's budget. We didn't have the right to, to like reallocate money. So what they did, so they were all experts, and I would respectfully submit to you some failed teachers who were angry with the district, and they want to come in and exact their revenge, right, just based on comments that they said to me, and they're mad about this or mad about that. 
And so when the when the when the superintendent has talked with the CFO and they look at the money and we can give, we know this 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 school is having this problem, this school is having this problem, let's direct money there. Those trustees did not want to reallocate money. So where do we go from here? What, what's the next step and what can uh, the, the parents in HISD expect? So me personally, I think that the unions, the, the bus drivers, the teachers, everybody, they should just refuse to go to work. I mean, where's TEA going to go and find a whole bunch of teachers to educate? They can't. Right. 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 If the kids can't get to school. Right. So HISD has power through its employees. The question is, are, good, are they going to exert themselves? But I you- also I also believe that based on what Mike Morath, the TA commissioner, told us yesterday, that the only reason, the only reason that he is taking over the school is because he believes he shall, he must take it over. So I think because the other lawsuit was was purely did TA or did TA not have the right to, to begin a takeover, which I do believe discretionarily is to file a lawsuit and say, this is not a shall because I got Marath to commit that the only reason he was doing it was because it was mandatory. Senator Miles got Marath to commit that that was the only reason he's doing it. So if we take away the shall, that, the shall, then you say you move differently. Well, it right. seems to me like you have the part, the necessary part of the law that has removed that shall that came before that shall, correct? Right. Well, because they don't have both. Right. Because they got a 79, they're a C plus, and they they have the five years consecutive, but they don't have that they're not a C. Or Is high. that, are you working on that now with other uh, uh, Houston area tra- reps? Yeah, we're talking about that. And also, um, uh, Representative Al- Allen filed the bill to change the shall to may. Okay, good, good. And what's the possibility of that bill passing? I think it's uphill because the Republicans want to take over HISD. They mad because HISD doesn't have vouchers and charter schools, you know, like expansion of charter schools. So I think it's going to be hard. And But I I, I think that if, if we file, well, if somebody, maybe the NAACP or MALDEF or the school board file it saying that, that is not that is not mandatory. Let's get the courts to interpret right. mandatory, right? With this notwithstanding any other law, with the court's interpretation of that, then I mean, like I say, TEA can take us over discretionarily if they want to. Right. But all the all the all the stuff that was going on with the board previously is not the same. It's not going on like it was. And for of the walking corn people are not on the board anymore. Well, Representative Jones, it seems to me like uh, you have a, a two front fight that you can win because I think if uh, if folks can actually get the union to tell folks not to go to work, if if the takeover comes into pass, it'll put the TEA in a bad position. So I, the way I see it, as an activist myself, I think you're in the in the, you are actually in the driver's seat, or HISD can be in the driver's seat. Assuming they don't have traitors in their midst. Except for Egberto, our unions is strong. Like, I'm a union girl. My mom was a union steward. My grandfather was in the union. If the unions don't exercise their might in this situation. Exactly. So I'm waiting to see if the unions, like the even like the mechanics, the people that fix HVAC, the people that do food, 
if they all just boycott it, it can't happen. It can't happen. So the question is, are they going to do that? That's I think we should end it there, because I think with your leadership, you can probably help or assist in folks getting exactly their state representative, Jolanda Jones. Thank you so kindly for having been on Politics Done Right. Thanks, Zach Bergeron. We're, we as a delegation, myself, Representative Johnson, Senator Boris Miles, uh, Representative Alma Allen, Sinfronia Thompson, we really are trying to figure out a unified fight because we are going to be as strong as our weakest link. We Folks, it's important that we realize from that interview that I did with Representative Jolanda Jones, former councilwoman, former HISD rep, that you have options. The law is not fixed that they must take over the school. Parents, you need to get involved. Employees, you need to get involved if necessary for every employee not to show up until we control our own destiny. We should not allow ourselves to be pawns of the governor or pawns of those who allowed themselves to be pawns of the governor by coming up with a law that put your school into the hands of people that care nothing about you. Some may say that, well, some on the HISD board didn't do what they were supposed to do, which would be correct. But you know what? It is in your hands to control who you put on the boards that will govern your school. But you never want to put your school in the hands of those who care nothing about you, in the hands of people like Governor Abbott, who does not have the interests of your people at hand. So, folks, it's there's no excuse for both the employees, the parents and the students to allow themselves 200,000 strong to be controlled, to be taken over by a sect who cares nothing about you. Now, I had to, I have the next subject, which was uh, what Robert Reich had to say about capitalism, etc. But, you know, what we think here at at KPFT Politics Done Right, when when stories come that really matters to us right in front of you, I think we need to put it into the fold right away. But beforehand, I want to say, Alistair Waters, I hear you about the people with the rail industry getting paid a lot, but there are so few of them now as they're cutting them that, as you said, Alistair, they can't even learn, they can't even take advantage of your wages, the good wages, because they have to work so hard, including without Help, uh, without time off or going to a doctor or whatever. Mission Logger, welcome. Longview, Texas, the issues. Drop me a line at info at politicsdoneright.com. Let's talk about what you're talking about exactly. Davila or Davia Longgram, welcome. John Smith, I hear you about what you're talking about, the trains. We'll finish talking about that on the three o'clock hour. I don't have the time right now to talk about that. Uh, welcome, Lee Grant and everybody else in the chat. Anyway, I'm here with uh, KPFT supporter, KPFT volunteer, KPFT activist, all that good stuff. Brother Rick Campbell in the studio. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing well, Alberto. Sounds well, like you're doing okay today. Well, we try, we try, we try. But you know, I interviewed you on sort of an impromptu interview because you started to talk about you choosing Medicare over Medicare Advantage, right? right? Mm-hmm. And you went through all the reasons why in that interview, and I'll tag that interview with this uh, when I post this blog. But just in getting coffee together, you said, oh, Egberto, you know, I was in Colorado and I had to go to the doctor. Tell me that story. Well, uh, try to make it real short. 
I've been to Colorado many times. This was the first time in my life I ever got altitude sickness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the emergency room. Just a little background. My uh, oxygen percentage of my blood was 82, which Ooh, is pretty terrible. low. Uh, boy, they took me right in. They didn't ask a question. They said, do you have Medicare? What's your insurance? They didn't have to make any phone calls. Now, again, like we said before, I have regular Medicare, and I have a... A, a uh, what do you call it? Uh, the the, uh, the gap, Medigap. Right, the Medigap, mm-hmm. yes. So I, I do not have an advantage plan. So uh, I did not have to get approval from my insurance company to get treated. Uh, they got me right in, uh, started working on me, and I really didn't require that much work. I mean, uh, check me out, see what was going on, right. why I was there. And I left that day after a few hours. I had chest x-ray. I had uh, I walked out of there with three bottles of oxygen, which I kept for a couple of days and brought them back. The whole thing cost me, out of pocket, zero dollars. The amount that the emergency room of the hospital in Estes Park there billed the insurance company, or, or they showed the price, that is, was eight to $10,000. I'm not wow. sure. Of course, Medicare didn't pay that much for it. They right. would have negotiated it down. Right. And then... Um, I got over that. The next week, I had a uh, scheduled procedure, um, angiogram, uh-huh. another eight to $10,000. Oh, my God. Walked out. Nothing. Nothing. Right. Uh, I did see a specialist while I was in there, and I had to pay him a couple of hundred dollars for my deductible. Right. And that was it. Now, let me see if I understand this right. This all happened in Colorado, right? No, this happened in Colorado. I had I had two procedures scheduled mm-hmm. in Houston when I got home. Oh, when you got back. The Colorado thing, nothing to do with each other. Right, okay. So This col- was an emergency. The Colorado was an emergency. The other was So scheduled. your Colorado bill would have turned out to be around $10,000 if you didn't have Medicare, Medigap. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, I, the, the reason- If I was uninsured. If you're uninsured. Mm-hmm. The reason that I wanted to bring you on to talk about that specific issue is that the reason this was so easy for you in in Colorado was because you had standard Medicare. That's right. If you had Medicare Advantage, there would be so much trouble that you would have had to go through to actually you to get care. Exactly. And there's no telling where I might have ended up. I might have ended up down in Boulder or in Denver. In this case, I was a little further north. I was in Estes Park. I have a small medical facility there. Right. Uh, as far as I know, I don't know whether they got it approved or not. I don't know that it needed to be approved. Right. But there was never a question of approval that came up. Because you had because traditional, had traditional standard Medicare. And I've never been... An, Never been refused any medical care so far uh, with the traditional Medicare and the Medigap. Now, folks, the, the reason I the reason I really wanted Rick telling a real life story is because of all the other real life stories I've heard with people, Rick, that have Medicare Advantage. Mm-hmm. They would have to. It, it, they they would be told first of all, don't go to the emergency room, which I can understand it for everybody. Uh, but but go ahead and go to the to the uh, whatever urgent care you can mm-hmm. find. And you go to urgent care, urgent care says, oh, no, no, we can't handle that. You got to go to the medic, uh, to, right. to the emergency room. You have, you know, there is, I mean, whenever for your own health care, now your oxygen level was at 81%. Brother, 82. that's 82%. Yeah, that's low. that's, that's low. dangerous as hell. Your organs start to shut yes. down when you have oxygen levels that low. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, um, 
it's interesting because again, if he had to do a little bit of waiting and calling and all of that, he would have just gone down. It would have gone down some more. He could have injured himself, much more brain issues, kidney issues. My 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 thing to you guys is, you your life is worth too much for you to believe the crap that these Medicare Advantage folks are trying to tell you. You know what irked me? I saw a real well respected, and they play this during the news hour um, on, on on channel. This was on channel thirteen. They play it during the news hour. There is this. Former, I think he may still be a host, but I've, I think he. May I believe be, he's. I believe he's retired now. He's retired so now. So it's not exactly a conflict of interest, it's not but a, right. But <laughs> he is. He is associated as being a reputable news person at Channel Thirteen, and then I saw him promoting. And by the way, he was promoting Kelsey Siebel. Uh, Kelsey Siebel's uh, Medicare Advantage, right? And look, Kelsey Siebel before they became. Uh, a private company who bought them out. I mean, I loved the, the, what they had to offer. They they gave good service and all of that. Now they are into the for-profit domain and they're really into Medicare Advantage. No, it wasn't him, but he's doing it too. Right. Just curious. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, so, I mean, uh, uh, this one was our Latin brother, Latino brother. Okay. So, um, uh, so they are now... Uh, uh, Andrew into making a whole bunch of profit. And I see this mm-hmm. guy selling this thing, Rick. Yep. And the, my, my heart sank because I respect this particular host. I respect his ability to give us truthful news. Don't you think most of the people in Houston and surrounding areas, because it is him who's announcing, go ahead and get this Medicare Advantage plan that somehow they're going to believe him that what he's saying is absolutely true without telling you the fine line. Andrew, yep. your thoughts about that? Because it drove me insane. and Not insane for me because I know better. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and this is, I'm 24. I've grown up watching ABC 13. Right. This is a guy who I have grown up trusting. Right. And I don't, I don't know that it's smart to name him, unfortunately, but uh, I am not, you notice I didn't name yeah. him. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, it, you know, if he's listening, he knows who he is. And, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it is, it is, it is disappointing to see, uh, that somebody who has cultivated this kind of trustworthiness would, would turn around and, and use he's, it to sell he sold it. I will say there there is an element of there's an element of is he in a position that he is that he that he that he doesn't have an, uh, uh, any other option is he in a position where maybe his retirement package wasn't as good as it needed to be this sort of thing you know because it is very easy for personalities and media to build a following right. and then leave that world and find that there's nothing there, there aren't as many opportunities as they were hoping there could be. So, you know, it, it is easy for people, even people like this newscaster, right. to get trapped in these situations because of capitalism. Right. <laughs> but um, at the same time, you have to think about, is this ethical? And I don't know. You know, Andrew, let me let me tell you, um, you know, I, I am not any newscaster like this guy, but I have a several thousand database of people several thousand database of all and i don't care how much you pay me 
right? And, and by the way, I am not, I could use some money right now. I'm, I'm just telling you, I could use some money right now, but I will not leverage those people that form a part of my loyal following, my database, etc., to go ahead and snow them into something that is deleterious. To, I, I couldn't do it and sleep at night. You know what I mean, Rick? I, absolutely. I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I think there's, when you build up the trust as a journalist or a commentator, that uh, you, you do kind of cross a line, even though you may need the money. Right. You, you're still dragging people uh, that trust you into what you're talking about. And maybe that's good for the company you're representing, but that's not good for your public. Right. That's what they're buying, right? They're buying access to your, they're, they're saying, I, I want to use all those people. People that trust you and transfer your trust to have them go with us. Buying credibility. Right. And I think it's a lousy, lousy thing. Anyway, we are coming close to the end of the program. So I, let me ask you to give a closer on, on, on Medicare. Tell our folks why they must continue Medicare and forget about Medicare Advantage no matter what people are telling them. Well, all I can tell you, Edberto, is it works for me. Right. I don't know if it'll work for anybody else, but I've been very happy with it. Uh, I have not had any of the problems I hear other people have with Medicare Advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, all I can say, I can't tell you what to do because right. I think I'm putting my credibility on the line, but I can tell you what works for me. Right. And I, and I would stand by that all day long. Thank you so kindly, Rick Campbell, for telling us the rest of your story. Now, let me tell you, folks, it's, this is important, right? And Rick just said something that I have to be cognizant of, and that is specifically this. He says this is what has worked for him. We've, we've given you all the technical information as to why, if you have the wherewithal to go with standard Medicare, that is what you should do. There are some people that they have to take uh, Medicare Advantage just because... Uh, as, as bad as it is, as restricted as it is, that's the only choice that they have. As restricted as it is, that's the only choice that they have. So what I'm trying to tell all of you folks is for those of you who have the wherewithal, do not be snowed by saving a few extra bucks a month. We're talking about your health. We're talking about your well-being don't allow the corporate state to change that. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right. And you know how we end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.